0: You're listening to the Decidedly podcast. Before we kick off today's episode, I've got a quick heads up for you. Our guest today sprinkles in some colorful language, so while we talk about raising kids, you may not want to have them in the car for this one. When you're ready for some unfiltered conversation, let's dive right in. I'm Morgan, your producer, and this is Decidedly. <laughs> What's an experience you had growing up that you think really impacted you? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. impacted me in what way? Well, th- there are things we we experience when we're growing up that might not seem as meaningful at the time, but you reflect upon them and you go, "Oh, that was that was helpful." Oh, I have to think about it. You have one? Well, I okay. So I th- I think as I was growing up, one of the things that my parents did is each year. They gave me more and more responsibility. And it was kind of this little ceremony that would say, All right, well, now you're 14, you can, you know, keep your room or you can choose what you want to eat or you can cut your hair however you want. And I got more and more personal responsibility or autonomy over my own self so that when I left the family or went to college, it wasn't this big shock to my system. I didn't have this need to go and, uh, go crazy like a lot of, you know, a lot of friends that I saw that, you know, going out and being irresponsible. I had built up that responsibility slowly over time. It wasn't just dumped on me all at once. And so that, that's why I was asking, I was wondering if there's something that you reflect on about growing up that you look at and go, oh, that was probably really helpful. You never let me quit anything. You would always say to us,
1: Smiths aren't quitters. Can't quit. So if I was playing soccer or something, and I wanted to quit, which happened in everything I ever did, I wanted to. Quit All
0: kids want to quit something that's hard. You to.
1: said you're gonna finish the season. You're, you're like you have to stick with it with the taekwondo. as well, you're gonna get a black belt. If you want to, you know, stop at that point, you can stop, but you're gonna at least get a black belt. Some things it was longer than the season. It was like, hey, there's kind of an. Applied, <laughs> like getting a black belt. Like that one was definitely more than one year, but. Um, there was, you know, an implied commitment that was longer than the season. So with high school sports, it was kind of like, hey, like you're going to play all the whole, you know, time and you're in that high season. school. Like, yeah, okay. Even okay. past the season, it was like, oh, I didn't feel like it was appropriate to say, okay, well, I played soccer one year and, I right, sure. and not no, I play agree. next year. I agree. You know, it's like no, you're kind of on the team. Like all these guys are going to be back next year, right? You know, like going to a new, if you're going to a new school, maybe that's a different thing. And so now, I can't, I can't quit anything. Yeah, like I just I can't quit. Well,
0: it probably makes you careful or thoughtful about the decisions you make to what to start.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think about that a lot. Like I, I, I also have a tendency to just really get into something. Yeah. So. I think about that before I pick up a new hobby. I'm like, well, you'll be all in. Yeah. I, if I go all in and I just try it out for six months and then I quit, like that's stupid. You know, what would be the end goal? And so I'll do go into some things and say, well, this is not necessarily a lifelong pursuit, but I've got to at least do the X. I've got to cross this finish line before I can,
0: you know. Into my company. Oh, so you, you set up objectives. If I'm going to start something, I'm going to get to this level before I reevaluate whether I'm going to continue. Yeah.
1: So, like, okay. I don't think, I don't see it as I quit triathlons. Um, you know, maybe I'll do it in the right. future right now sure. in my training, but it was I want to do two Ironmans back to back. And I, then I did it and I go, okay, that was the finish. Line. Right. You know, well, for a while, it was, that was something I'm doing, but it was always working toward this goal. I can hit the goal and then keep doing it, but. I got to have like an exit plan. Otherwise, then it'll feel like you're quitting quitting without purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Speaking of lessons as a child that impact us as we grow into adulthood, our guest today, Jeremy Delk, uh, shared with us some insight about how to transfer that wisdom to children. So he's a serial entrepreneur known for his disruptive spirit and unconventional approach to life. His journey started out with. Humble beginnings in Kentucky, moved to became a a day trader at 16, moved to Wall Street, turned $30,000 into $2 million, and then lost it all uh, in less than a week. So he has a rough to hear amazing story. And I think you're going to really get a lot out of it. He went from that to building himself back up. Uh, He found a job at Fidelity, became the youngest institutional trader in the history of Fidelity, and then uh, now runs uh, his own venture capitalist firm. So we got into his magnificent story, his outlook on life and why he thinks it's not necessary to have a plan. Uh, And Sean and I talked about our thoughts on that from a financial planner perspective, how to find your purpose and how wealth impacts the people that you care about, not just the things that you want in life and then lastly we talked about the role of dads in teaching educating and providing experiences for their children so it's a really valuable episode as far as energy that we've had in the past jeremy uh, brings energy and he brings entertainment and he brings the wisdom so stick around you'll have a great time i'm singer smith as always with my dad sean smith and this is decidedly Jeremy's got the best studio setup of all time. That with behind him and everything. Looks professional. And, uh, you could sell me anything right now. <laughs> I'll try. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I look at that, it says JeremyDelk.com and I go, man, the brilliance of just using your own name is nobody can criticize it and be like, why did you name your company that? You're like, it's right, not even right. me, it my yeah. parents. So you take it on them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, thanks for being here. I have so much to talk to you about. But I want to start with how you started.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple, uh, I've had a couple ups and downs in life, but I think that's, that's where the learning happens and and that's what makes it fun. Right. Where are you guys located? i kind of, we're in Fort Worth,
0: home home of the uh, Texas Rangers world yeah, champion
2: champs, big, big dub last night. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm from Bargetown, Kentucky. So we're, uh, known as the oh, bourbon capital cool. of the world. So yeah. So like Makers Mark, Jim Beam, all of those, and I live in Whiskey, Lexington now. Whiskey Trail, that's right. Yeah, Bourbon Trail, Bourbon Trail, Bourbon Trail. And, all right, uh, okay, yeah. You What's know, the difference? Very, you know, it's, it's a flat. Um, not, not really, yeah. but I mean, there's, 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 there's quite a, quite a bit, you know. And it's a big controversy, so we can spend a whole, whole episode of it. But uh, Kentucky bourbon is, is definitely, you know, we could confuse with this stuff down south in Lynchburg. Um, like Jack Daniels, which is whiskey, and gasoline. Lynchburg. If you if you don't know, is actually a, a dry county. So, that would you agree. really trust to drink something made in a dry town? I mean, just I mean, there's just so, many, think, uh, so many. things do, think they You think they
0: weren't dry, and then they're like, "Oh, this is getting out of hand. We need to." Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We just <laughs> no, well, throw them they, back. they didn't
2: do that in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you that. But um, super small town, you know, probably 25,000 people. Uh, I live in Lexington now, so yeah, we're known for bourbon and horses is kind of our uh, our thing. So I grew up uh, in that small town um, environment. Uh, and you know always had this dream to kind of want to do more, see more and be more through a pretty windy road. Um, went to school in Rhode Island, uh, ended up on Wall Street, short but pretty successful career actually as an institutional equity trader there. And then went out on my own and started Delk Enterprises a little more than twenty years ago.
1: What motivated you to go to Wall Street? Because that is a totally different world from Kentucky.
2: So hindsight, it all makes sense. And it was like you know, but I, I did write a book called "Without a Plan," and that's literally how I've lived my, my, my entire life. So you know, that's funny. Wall we write Street books came, on having came, came, plans. <laughs> really, that's fucking dumb. People should read so, then so, just yeah, yeah. pull the best from so, each. No track. plan. No plan. Just a direction. That's how I've, uh, it's worked so well for us. you know, so, so far so good for me. So, uh, unfortunately I lost my, I know you guys, you know, father, son team. I lost my dad when I was seven, unfortunately to like a, a motorbike Jeez. accident, which, you know, there's a lot to kind of even unpack there, but two things happened with that event, right? We went from a very high level of stability to a high level of instability, right? You know, dad was a breadwinner, Mom was home with the kids, that kind of thing. So, I grew up pretty quick, um, just kind of had to. How many, how many
0: brothers and sisters in their favor?
2: Uh, one, one little brother who was who was two um, at the time, so you. five years difference. So I was the man of the house at seven. So I'll get you to the question, how did I end up on Wall Street? So I was going to get about $30,000 of an inheritance from my dad um, when I turned 18. And, you know, I had this small fish um big uh, uh big fish small pond mentality in uh in barge town where I just wanted to get the fuck out. I wanted to go somewhere and like you know Sinatra said if you can make it here you can make it anywhere. So um my you know full education on New York consisted of the Godfather, right? Like in the mafia and like my last name is Delk right. as you pointed out. So not Italian. So probably not gonna have the a career path in the mob and Wall Street, right? New York and Wall Street. Okay, that's where I grew to so So I started, um, I just started, uh, you know, reading as a dork, you know, Wall Street Journal, Investor Business Daily. And this was in the late nineties and looking at, you know, chat rooms like the Raging Bull and was pretty self-taught. So that's how the affinity for the desire for Wall Street came was in a, I started day trading when I was um, 18 years old and did well for a while. And, but that's the ask Can I ask you
0: about day trading? How did you, you know, I I've never done day trading, I'm familiar with it, you know, the, and the the concept is to, you know, come in and out of a position within the day uh, completely. Uh, but how, how did you get into deciding to do that? That's gambling. I mean, that's that's some speculative stuff.
2: It's 100% gambling. So, I mean, my mom, you know, very wisely put me into great mutual fund and, you know, very stable growth um, that sucks. That's not cool. So I wanted to go and so I, I literally my, my thesis was I would go through and look at biggest movers of the day by percentage. And this was then the dot com area. A lot of tech was happening. So um that's what I kind of lasered into. And I was, you know, long or short positions. Short is basically when you're selling stock that you don't own. Um, and I would just go through on momentum multiple times a day. So, so you were just
0: looking for the, the biggest movers in terms of momentum and then following that momentum. If it's going up, you're just going to bet this is going to go up the next day. If it's going down, you're betting that it's going to go down the next day. You're taking a short position. Is that essentially what you're doing?
2: Essentially it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I got good. Um, and then I started oh, learning about cool things called
0: <laughs> cool can things about. That.
2: Uh, I, I got, I got, I learned about things like margin, which was really cool. And anyone knows about margin, which is basically leveraging your stock. Like, wait, hold on. I only have thirty thousand, but I can trade a hundred thousand dollars worth of shit. But oh, wow, that's goodness. cool. So in two years, when I was nineteen, I grew thirty grand into about two million dollars, uh, which is pretty cool. What's cooler? Da-
0: it's dangerous it, to have a nineteen year old with two million dollars. I think.
2: No, it's so sound and it makes so so many responsibilities. Me, mean, you I, think? Brilliant. Huh? I mean, I was, I, I was, I, I bought a condo, twenty foot ceilings, fireplace. You know, at my freshman summer, as every freshman in college does, you know, brand new Grand Cherokee. I was buying out bars. They didn't even card me because they knew, they knew how old I was, but I was spending so much money in bars and just kind of going through and living the life of uh, of Riley. Um, and, you know, I, I you, you don't remember this, uh, your son, but um, this was like um, the Palm Pilot, right? So it was basically yeah. like the... So I was trading stock. I was I was making $20,000 on my Ameritrade Palm Pilot.
0: On your Palm Pilot? And, okay.
2: Yeah, in class. And I'm thinking like, how is this fucking teacher going to teach me anything? Do I just made a salary while I'm sitting here? So you're right. I mean, you can't tell a 19-year-old full of testosterone anything. Give him a couple million bucks, you have no hope. What I learned after blowing up $2 million in four days, so... So this that, that all it. came it, to a so crashing you,
0: end in two days. You come up
1: with two million. Four, you're living four like you have twenty. Right. <laughs> two, two we,
2: million at nineteen and ninety nine is twenty yeah, million. It's yeah, fucking yeah, like I'm yeah, basically a billionaire. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah, tell tell me about how the, how did that come to an end? So this thing called the dot com bubble happens, and you know day trading, as you accurately describe it, if you don't know anything about it, you are supposed to be unemotional and don't go to sleep with a position, be in cash by the end of the day. And I I just I was leveraged so much um, that, you know, it just had to come back. It had to come back. And it didn't. So with margin. So if I, I was trading about five billion dollars worth of stock with two million in cash. So yeah. if you lost 20%, that's 50% of your stake in a day. Combine that by a couple days and it's not hard to do the algo, you're going to be a zero. So that was the worst thing in the, one of the worst things in, in, in my life that it happened to me in the moment. Second to only maybe my father dying. Retrospectively, probably the best thing, one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life.
0: Why was it the best thing? What'd you learn? From-
2: well, I mean, what would have happened, right? You know, if I'm 25... Or thirty, and I taken the two to ten, right? I mean, I was so unteachable. I was so like you couldn't. I, I knew everything. What do you mean
0: taking the two to ten?
2: Well, well, if if it didn't blow money? up, like what, what happens if it didn't? If it didn't? Oh, blow up? oh, oh I see. Going, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was it was going to blow up at a certain point. I was unteachable. Couldn't be told anything. Whatever. So, you know, at nineteen, I could have you know packed it in and went home to my mom, right? 25 30 you got kids why like you've got other things that now you're affecting more people so the timing of it was the best time that could happen and then it really taught me a lot of lessons in life like humility you're not always the smartest guy in the room but what it, why it was th- why it was probably besides those teaching components is I had a path to choose I could have went back home to Kentucky um, from New England and that could have been my story because um, I had bills right I still I was still in college I still had you know, a mortgage, I still had stuff that like were real people, real life problems that n- most 19 year olds didn't have. Um, or I can go figure it out. And it was, you know, four different odd jobs to odd jobs that, again, without a plan, shameless plug, led me to, you know, by happenstance, a career on Wall Street to become the youngest institutional equity trader in Fidelity history, a small little shop in Boston.
1: So, me, you become the youngest institutional trader in Fidelity history. Tell
2: me about that. So I'm still like dropping out of college was a non-starter. I was the first one yeah, in my yeah, yeah. to go to college. So um, only thing scarier than losing 2 million is dropping out of school. And my mom fucking killing me. So yeah. I had to stay in class and take a full, uh, full course load. So you're not going to get a stable nine to five with a full course load. Right? So, I was working in Abercrombie and Fitch. I was doing landscaping, which I couldn't even mow my own grass, but doing landscaping on the weekend. I was packing UPS trucks. And then my fourth job was renting apartments um, at a luxury apartment complex right beside my condo development. And I would get commissions on every unit I would rent. So we would do like mixers for new neighbors and all that stuff by the pool and like just kind of events to network. For me, it was lead gen. Hey, this is an awesome. Do you guys like it? Do you have any kind of friends that you know would be interested in moving? So, at one of these mixers, um, I met a guy named Tim Svitkovich, um, who had reload to um, to Boston and was in temporary housing there from Fidelity. And we just started talking. Like, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm am uh, I'm, I'm in Wall Street and with you know Fidelity. And this was probably two three months into me blowing everything up. And we just started talking about the market indicators, what he thinks. And he's like, who the fuck are you? Right. And I had a big accent in Kentucky. I can talk about that, but it's so a thick accent And he's like, How do you know all of this? And then I kind of told him my story and, um, he saw that I had a, a, a depth of knowledge of the market, very naive depth by the way, but a feel and an understanding of it and a love. I, I, I was so passionate about, especially those two stocks. I loved it. And, You guys, you know, your business, you find anyone that's successful, if you love what you do truly and are passionate about it, it's infectious, right? I think he saw something in me and he's like, you know, if, if I were to, you know, offer you a job, would you, would you take it? And, you know, back to when I said, I'd love to be on wall street, no idea how to get there. And I thought he was full of shit. I'm like, bro, I don't have my degree yet. Um, I'm just hillbilly from Kentucky. I just lost $2 million. Like, why would you do it? And but I said, if you're serious, we'll do it. So three months of, I mean, they're a, a big multinational firm, right? So three months of background, you know, checks and application, that whole process. And I, uh, got the gig, which is pretty cool. I converted to night school and finished my degree to my mom's, uh, uh liking. And that's how I ended up on wall street. Um, I was youngest by passing, you know, series seven, 63, all your licenses at that young age. Yeah, that's, most people are not even going
1: to seek out that type of position at that age.
2: And I didn't seek it out. I mean, again, like that's, that's why I think I live, I live this, this, you know. Yeah, it was almost as if it was say, supposed
1: to happen that way.
2: Right. Just saying, yes, just say, yeah, sure. Yep. Cause you don't fucking know. Right. I mean, and, yeah. and I I do have, you do have plans. I don't know really I have plans, but I know where I want to go and get to, but I stopped questioning how I'm going to get there a long time ago. I don't care how I get there. As long as I'm there and we arrive it'll be an interesting ride. And that's the perspective of how I look at it. I believe in manifestation, a lot, a lot of those things, but just go because if people get so, you know, you know, this paralysis by analysis and they get so layered into, this is the path they need to go. Just fucking stupid. Like you're going to be more educated when you are at that crossroads than where you think you will, because you know, more information, right. You're kind of going through it. So that's how I've tried and how I've you know, lived a big part of my life is just kind of saying yes, taking opportunities and learning and, and pivoting and, and, and adapting. As long as you continue on that journey, you've never really failed. You've, you've had opportunities to learn and don't make the same mistakes twice, hopefully. But Jeremy, despite John and I being financial
1: planners and being in the financial planning industry and a lot of our clients assuming that we're here to help them create a plan and implement a plan, I don't think that what... We'll, You and I are in disagreement nearly as much as I was joking about earlier. Coming up with a clear aim for where you're going is so much more important than following the how to get there steps. And a lot of people, they approach a problem seeking information or solutions around how to get there. And they're not even clear within their own mind of where they're going or who they are. So... How to get there is completely irrelevant if we don't know where we're going, where we are right now, and who we are as individuals. But if you know those things, I know who I am, I know where I am right now, and I know where I want to go, there's a million different ways to get there. And to your point, I can change the plan as I go as long as I'm really clear on
0: where I'm going. You almost always have to be able to be willing to change the plan, not change the vision necessarily. Uh, And you can't change who you are. But I, I think the adaptability, uh, which I, I think is what you're talking about is is being adaptable as situations arise. You're not going to change trajectory completely, but you're on some sort of path. am i am I hearing that kind a right?
2: Absolutely. And because not only the adaptability with with the more information that we pick up and intake throughout our journey, But you guys probably have, you know, people worth 100 million, a billion, a million, whatever. And if I said to you, hey, guys, I want to come to you and give me the best plan. You couldn't do it no matter how much I would pay you because every one of your clients are different. My plans and things that were important to me um, five years ago are vastly different than what's important to me now. Right. So having that piece of understanding what's curated and bespoke for you, that's all that should matter. Right. I mean, people... And I have to be on social media because you have to in this day and age. But I hate so much of it because you have so many of these frauds there just pointing out this, you know, this life that is emulating something that isn't even real. And you have people chasing that. It's like, that is where it is. That's what happiness is. And it's bullshit, right? Happiness is really starts from within. And, you know, what fills your bucket, right?
1: Yeah. I think that having a clear aim is important and what the tragedy of what you're talking about on social media is that it distorts our perception of what a clear aim is and what it ought to. Be. And so it's it's almost worse than being aimless. It's having the wrong aim. And in a culture yeah. of tolerance, we're hesitant to say that certain pursuits and certain aims are less valuable than others. Well, certain, what's
0: an example of the wrong aim?
1: Uh, the wrong aim would be to pursue something that is, Lacking in purpose, meaning, and significance, or pursue something that's not real, uh, that's a fantasy. It's not sustainable. So, an example, a category, or, or a life that kind of exists within the Venn vi- diagram of both of those is the life of luxury, where you're spending all your time driving nice cars and hanging out on the beach. Well, even if you get to the the, the place where you have the financial ability to attain that. That's not a life you want to live. You don't want to live a life where every day you're driving nice cars, eating nice food, and hanging out on the beach with no purpose, no meaning. Nobody who counts on you, no responsibility. That's not a, a recipe for a you know. Life. I
0: think it's interesting. There, there's a uh, when, you, when you look at the Declaration of Independence, a you know, part of that where Jefferson says, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? And so he put this qualifier on happiness that he didn't put on the other ones, right, which is the pursuit of. And I think what you're talking about, at least what you know, the way I look at it, is when you look at creating purpose in life, which helps you make decisions along the way and the adaptability that we're just talking about, that pursuit of the happiness is what gives you the happiness. Right? They're they're joined together. You can't say, Well, I'm I'm just happy. it's the pursuit of it that gives you that happiness because it is it's purposeful inside of you. Right. And, yeah. and I think a society that's full of people who are pursuing appropriate happiness, which is creating purpose for others, not just happiness. Cause I've, I've got a chocolate ice cream cone that's going to create a better society for all of us.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't echo enough because I spent, uh, I talk about a lot of this in my book, like I spent a good part of my life, um, trying to buy happiness and i fucking tried hard right watches and cars and all the the things you just said i i I acquired all those things um to fill a void because i thought that was going to do it now i still have a lot of those things but there's an attachment to them that's different my nine-year-old knows more about exotic cars than i do but that's a passion that he and I now share and we can go through and look at my buddy's collection and go through and, Hey, let's go on a a ride. I don't give a fuck. If someone is impressed by my car, what I care about is spending time going down in my Mustang with, you know, my old um, 67 fastback with my son on a country road on a nice summer day. That is an experience that's like fills you and that is worth pursuing in the experience whatever it's not it has to start really from within and that's with business um yes but especially in in life and that personal because i think business is very personal that if you can start where with that core of really what is important to me my journey my family my tribe like if you can really hone in and laser focus where you feel in that gut you won't be led down the wrong path and it's okay some people shame having nice things and going through having resources, you know, life's hard. I think grant cards, life's hard without money, uh, with money, it's impossible without it. So I'm not discounting it, but do it for the reasons that, you know, are, are core and center to you, right? Like you work hard to have resources. So you have time, right? You don't have to trade time for money. So you can go and, you know, take your kid to basketball practice and lacrosse practice. Like those are the things that I think if you could center in on them and understand, your why, you will be so much more happy. And, you know, and it gives you that purpose that you're talking about. What do you do to find that for yourself? Um, so a lot of therapy, um, yeah, I, I, I did for, look, I, I don't do it. I, I probably go to therapy as much, maybe like once or twice them every, every couple months now. Right. Not, not as much. I was, I talked about trying to buy happiness for a long time i went through a really bad divorce multi-million dollar and three year just bad bad thing but it was great because i'm so much happier now but i didn't like who i was i had all the stuff i had success but i didn't like who i was and while i was successful optically right houses and cars and all the stuff i had i pulled it off from a you know a kid from you know not from a lot of means and some struggle and, you know, losing some money and losing a father, I'd, I'd pushed through it all, but that I never really looked back and reflected on why I was doing it. I was just always going forward to not really feel. Um, so I was going to therapy probably two or three days a week, just really intensive dealing with some hard shit to, uh, to really ask why you're doing stuff, right? Cause if, if you don't look inward and you, I mean, some people are like, Oh, they're the problem or this circumstance, like, Everything starts from within. Um, and then you start to really understand and you ask yourself those questions. Like, why are you doing this? What's important? What, what's, what's, you know, what's your motivating factor? That's what started it, right? Probably, you know, 18 months of really intense therapy and that, and we're looking now, um, uh, still changes, right? You know, I, I'm a curious guy. I left wall street to start my own thing because I learned very fortunately at a young age, while I was making a lot of money, I wasn't fulfilled. I'm a creator. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are creators. I like learning. I like building stuff. That's what drives me in that constant learning. Now in, in a part of my life, I'm trying to give back. You know, I like to help charities out that I'm I'm passionate about. I like to do mentoring and, you know, help being soundboards because I'm helping someone, which kind of feels like it's a bit of an obligation. But I have I like solving problems, man, like the, most entrepreneurs do. So that to me is is really uh really fun and kind of gives me a lot, a lot of purpose. And now the, now the kids, right. I've got a, a nine and a, um, almost five year old and another one on the way. So like, uh, that's my purpose now.
1: How explicit do you get with it? Do you write down a do you, Like, do you have a personal mission statement, personal values that you, that you write um, out or do you, is it a more of a, like a vague vision that you have?
2: Um, it, as far as, um, just yeah, like life purpose, life purpose, um, I, I don't know that I don't, I don't have a, 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 like a mission vision statement for me personally. I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I think, I think I look at it more of just like horizon based and, and what do you want to do? Like I, I'm a big list guy. So on, on my email, I've got my, my new year, you know, goals and what I want to do for 2023. And I probably got that email in my box 60, 80 times, right? Cause every few Days or a few weeks, I'm looking at it, updating the list and kind of going through it. Yeah, um, a big part of what what's on that list is what I want, right? And my wants are always changing, right? It's 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 a, it's a it's my kids, my son's picked up fishing, so now like the big priority is building a lake house a couple hours away and going doing that. So okay, I need a few million bucks to build a lake house. I've been,
1: I've never built me a lake house.
2: Did <laughs> <laughs> build it for me. Oh, I didn't build it for you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so now okay now i gotta go and make two three million dollars right so like that, so that that's the purpose of like going through and and like hey what do i want to do i want to have this experience with my son every five years um i do a solo trip with my kids like just a one-on-one dad and that individual yeah. like for a birthday so i think my, my boy will be 10 in uh end of december so he's a big car kid and sneakerhead head and those fashion so we're gonna we're gonna do Dubai and go and I love the city. I've done a lot of work over there, so that's gonna be like a cool father or something. Those so are like the that's best. what we're looking forward to. Those are the best experiences. Um,
1: Sean did that for me and my sister. And really? Yeah, it was Yeah. It, I mean, it was the coolest memories. And um I
2: remember like how old is your son? Uh he'll be ten uh in, in the end of December. Yeah. So is this the first, first when we should yeah, this is the first one he's gonna do? Second one. So the first one okay. was Legoland.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think we started when I was eleven and my sister was nine, and then my youngest okay. sister started later because you know, she was three or four at the time. But right. that was about the same age as your son, and, um, and you know it, it's interesting because as a kid from the kid's perspective, like I didn't realize that was a really fortunate thing that I got to do until later. <laughs> I didn't right. know, right? You know, and, and I didn't know that wasn't normal. Um, but yeah. now. I, I will still look back and we'll be talking, you know, Sean and I hanging out. And go, dude! Remember when we went to Alaska? That was nuts. I remember like, that glacier?
0: Can't believe we so cool. did that. Hunting in Argentina. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's that's that that's that's so good to hear um, because you just have like dads have a different role and a different thing, right? I mean, like we you are always going to be more nurtured by the mom and kind of going through that, but like you know. Do you guys go, go, go to Florida at all? I don't know if you've ever been yeah, to Tampa. Yeah, I'm going um, today, in fact. Are you? So like Bur, yeah. Burns, uh, Burns Steakhouse, it's a big fame it's a pretty famous it's steakhouse. Like South in, Florida? Uh, no, no, Tampa. It's in Tampa. Oh, okay. Right? okay. Um, but anyway, it's so like that we, we my son and I like met, met some friends and we like, a massive wine cellar and it's like a huge deal. But after Legoland, we, go, we went through, we had a big steak dinner. He's drinking Shirley Temple. I mean- just stuff that you wouldn't do with mom all the time right, right? so i think right. those type of things are are, are great bonding yeah there's stuff that you can do and, with dad
0: yeah. and you know I, I always think when we did those trips i had the objective to say i want to buy these experiences because you you know you can only do so much with you know as you were talking about Jeremy, by you know buying a watch or a car or thing you know the, that's fine but you can buy these experiences that that you can't lose you they don't they don't devalue those experiences. experiences well, they become more <laughs> yeah. valuable as time goes on, right? I mean, in other words, the, the experiences you have become more valuable to you, particularly if they're learning. And I always had the idea that I wanted those to be new experiences where we would do something new, learn a new task, experience something new, go somewhere where we'd never been so that the learning was there and the bonding was
1: there. Yeah, you always said we're going to go somewhere we've never been, and do something we've never done. Yeah. So my first yeah. one, go to Argentina. He had been to Argentina, but I had never been. And then it was, we're going to go dove hunting again. He had been dove hunting, but I had not. So it was not only a new yeah. experience, but a new place. Yeah, this was <laughs> your
2: first time dove hunting.
0: It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it ruined it for me now.
2: I've had a he had oh, right? like <laughs>
0: 1100 dove one day and <laughs> yeah. and we come back to texas and he goes hey let's go let's go dove hunting i'm like oh it's it's not going to be the same it's not <laughs> by you're year 12, 12 you know, right if you're lucky yeah right yeah. but those experiences cause you to challenge yourself cause you to to seek and and to learn and you become a a broader based knowledgeable person because you have experiences And which Mm -hmm. is so much more valuable than people who just know about it, right? Which is even more valuable than people who don't know about stuff. But you say, yeah, I've been climbing and, you know, ice climbing in Alaska. I know what it's like. I know how I can do that. Or I've, uh, you know, I've been to Morocco and, uh, you know, you've done those things. I think it just gives you so much more experience and capability to interact with
2: people through life. It's going to help you. Yeah. Now, tr- travel, they, in my opinion, is the best form of education out there. There's a great book if you've not read it. Uh, he's a Texas guy, actually. He's an energy trader. Uh, Bill Perkins, he's in Houston. He's got a place in Austin. It's called Die With Zero. It's awesome. Like We, we met down in and- and Necker Island down in the BB. I've got a place down there. He has a place in St. Thomas, but it's this concept, not being irresponsible. This is like, great. You guys are financial planners. Mm-hmm. Like fucking die with nothing. Right. I, yeah, really I, I heard business. the name
0: of that. I've I heard about that before. And I, and I immediately had a, you know, a negative reaction to it. I have not read it. So I, that was my, yeah, that was yeah, my for first sure. take okay, on it. So, yeah.
2: so, so it's not, it's not this level of just being irresponsible and fucking blow it, but it's, it's, I lost my dad when I was seven. None of us are promised tomorrow. We've all had loss, right? But the idea is that so many of not really business people, wealthy people, but the, like my my mom who retired from the post office, right? They save for retirement, and then they've got sufficient. But they really have like, what are they able to do? Because now they've got bad knees, and they can't hike Machu Picchu, right? So the idea, of what Bill writes, is this. Thing of time buckets, but life is only experiences. Like I don't care how much money you have. You get sick in cancer. You you, you, you can't keep paying that, right? Like it's gonna you know it's a hundred thousand dollars a day. Like you're never gonna save for 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 everything. If you want to go like, have these experiences, have them, you know, when you can. If you want to help out your son. I, like me, like if, you, if you're, if you if, 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 if you're, if you're, how about your son? This is I'm not putting you on a spot. I love them. I hope, hope others oh, is a video podcast. It's fucking <laughs> great timing. Singer's that. That. Like eyeballing but, me over but, here.
1: Like, yeah, you should. How old are you? Uh, Sorry. 29,
2: how, how you? 29. So are you married yet? Single kid? No, I'm not north? married. Yeah. No, no kids. No wife. So, um, maybe he's 29. Maybe it's, I don't know what you, what you've got, but him trying to buy a house, right? You giving him $50,000 or $100,000 right now while you're around to make sure he doesn't load on a sports car to help him out with a house, giving him that money now is going to be so much more impactful for him than it is when you die 100 years from now and he's 69. That money doesn't matter. If you have a cherry that you're passionate about give them the money now to kind of make, make that in, impact for it, Right. So that, that's the idea like this. You, you should try to plan to use your resources to have those experiences now. Cause when you are hundred years old at the nursing home, it doesn't matter what you've got in the bank. It's what you got in that memory bank. Right. And those experiences that you're talking about in Argentina and then Iceland and Alaska, like those are what is really the value. So, make those impacts now, right. To kind of go through, I think that's, that's a big piece that um, it's, it's a great book. I really, it, yeah. I know every financial guy I'll, I'll take stupid, a look at the, that's, 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 that, that's the idea of there it. There is some, but that's, that's one, one concept.
0: Well, yeah. there, there's some software it, it, that I use a uh, singer. uses the same thing with clients and looking at the probability of success of achieving certain goals. And you you talk about, you know, what is it that you're wanting to accomplish and you want uh you know, at the first level, uh, a sense of safety or freedom from worry, and then I have these aspirational goals, and we kind of layer these things on, and go through the software and say, "All right, here's your probability of success." Right, and if it's less than a certain number, you're, you're concerned about that, and you want to modify the goal, and that uh, that's pretty reasonable for people to figure out. The flip side to the same problem is when somebody has too high a as probability, close of to a
1: hundred, as they can get. You know? Right,
0: right. They're they're ninety nine percent probability of success on all their goals. And I tell them that this is the flip side to the same problem. They look at me funny, and I say that the problem is we haven't properly calibrated these goals so they're realistic, achievable, and motivating for you. So if you're if you're saying I'm going to achieve everything I'm going to do at ninety nine or hundred percent, I start talking to them about the exact same thing, Jeremy, that you just said. Can we do something now? Can there be a gifting? Can there be experience? Can there be material acquisition? Charity? Something that you want to do that you're only doing because of fear that if you did it, you wouldn't have that safety that you really want. So well, let's do the math and, and right. utilize this and bring this wealth up to, as Sangeroy says, to to significance and make it purposeful. Um, and yeah, so I, 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 I agree I with exactly.
1: encouraging people to spend their money. It's one of the most enjoyable. It it's so much more fun to encourage someone to spend their money than it is to uh, not to That's save someone who's off track. Yeah,
2: but, and, it, and it's, and it's being responsible and it's kind of going through, but there's two things that, well, one actually is in the book that he talked about that I'm actually doing similarly, but, um, I'm 43, I'll be 44 in April. Um, my, we just went to a wedding in Tuscany. Um, my buddy, it was one, of probably the top, i've ever been to it. I mean, really nice we stayed at this massive compound with seven villas and really really cool my mom um or brother for that matter will never have an experience like that period unless it's subsidized they're just they, they wouldn't have that and i've had that experience but like part of this whole thing is is sharing right the experience with your son, you, yeah, you went to Argentina, but you took your son back to Argentina, right? Sean, you took, you, you grabbed saying, and you, you went back there. So that's really, I bet you, you had more fun with Sean than you, I was saying, Sean than you did by yourself. Right. Uh, I think because you, 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 you shared that, you know, and you built that memory. So what I'm doing is I'm having my 45th birthday, which isn't a, is a weird number. I'm having my 45th birthday. We're taking probably, you know. All my side of the family, my wife's side of the family, kids, everyone. There'll be sixty of us on this compound in Tuscany in in eighteen months. 50 is the big milestone, right? That's that's the next big milestone. But a lot can happen in those five years. Like, what happened? God forbid, if you know a parent or a cousin or a sibling felt ill, right? You, you why wait for that piece, right? I think that's 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 you know one kind of takeaway. If you can do it make, make these memories count when you can do them. The time bucket that Bill talks about is, you know, he's, does a lot of walking cities. Like if you want to go and experience these things, you, you're, you're going to take a Viking river cruise when you're 70. Okay, cool. Cause that's when you're there. You want to go h- hike Picchu when you're 40, right? You, when you can go and you're able to physically go and, and, and do those things. Um, that's one piece. The other piece that, and I know you guys probably do a lot of trust and estate stuff. One thing that's not in the book that Bill and I talked about offline that I know every one of your um your clients worry about this. Sean, you worry about this too, I'm sure. Is how do you make Sanger not a complete fuck up, right? How do you like, you know, enable him with I mean he's working you, I on that one still. You, it maybe and it may too far gone for you. That, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it may be too gone for you. If it's too far gone, you made us be completely fucked. But <laughs> how do we do it, right? Because I know my kids are growing up way different than I grew up would 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 speculate similar to you saying um as well but you know how do we neither how, how do we how do we really make sure that they're going to be okay when we're gone part of that is solved for by giving them some money and some access earlier on so you can really actually make a big impact for their life but the big thing that i did and i'm sure everyone and maybe a lot of your clients have done this my trust were very you know complex but they were motivating i took some stuff from sam walton that i'm sure i was heard like hey if you know my son made a 100 grand i would match him his 100 grand i would i would do all these things to kind of motivate them to succeed and kind of go through there i wrote the trust effectively for fucking me right the way i am and and bill's like like, you're a fucking idiot bro i'm like sweet man thanks man appreciate that so i'm like okay (laughs) they enlightened me and, and he's like, dude, he's like, bro, if what if your son, his passion is, you know, writing literature or poetry or fucking wh- whatever. If, that, if that's what makes him or her happy, who is it to you to fuck with what they may or may not get and go down a life of trying to go and consume, right? If, they, if they're going to be happy in a studio apartment in Soho, writing literature and doing that, your job as a parent is to make them happy. And it was like the most, hearing it, it, it was the most uncomplex thing ever. That's what you do. But so many times we try to project like, all right, let's make them, dude, sometimes I mean, my daughter's probably going to be like me, which is scary. Um, she's, yeah, she's a, she's a rock star, but my son probably may not be exactly like me and that's okay. But sooner you can come to grips to that and then understand like, Hey, just let them be happy. Support them in their endeavors. Now, You're going I, I to have think a much there has to be a purpose
0: to that because I, you know, I, I don't think necessarily our job is to make them happy. But uh, my, I, the way I saw it was to to say I want to make the possibilities real. I want to open your eyes to what you can do, and to say the the, the things that you might want to do are achievable, and and give you those experiences and and have you learn things and uh, let you know there's a solution financially and you know, and if there's a you know, a problem that money can solve. We have money we can, we don't have a problem anymore. And, and to to get that mentality right, you know, I, I don't think I want to just make a kid happy because kids are idiots, right? They, they, <laughs> what might like make them happy might not be best, right? But I want to give them the pathway to the possibilities and grease the skids a little bit, not completely, not make it too easy, but to give them the chance to, experience those opportunities that they're that they're seeking
2: yeah um yeah for sure and and like i said, I mean it's not as i think every situation is 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 unique um but part of the reason why we make these trusts so complex is to protect them from themselves right because if you give a 20 year old a bunch of millions of dollars they are going to end up hurting themselves blowing it i mean it's it's a recipe for disaster. So then you put in more complex layers. Like you put in all these layers, and I think that the aha moment was one: if you're making impacts smaller earlier on while they're around and giving, you know, kind of going through, you're fucking around to be like, hey, guide them, as opposed to having a trustee tell them when you're not here. Um, but but two having the pieces of going through and an, an understanding like, hey, what is it? And making it okay. Because the way mine was, and I'm sure there's some of your clients that are like this, it was so regimented that the only way you were going to get all the money, but you may not get it until you're 40. And that may not be the right thing to do, right? There they, they, There's a, a vehicle to get it earlier as long as you're pursuing your your passion or wh- whatever that is, right? But it, it forces you to have conversations with your kids. Crazy. It forces you to say like, what what is it kind of going through? And having that open dialogue that You don't have to be like me. Maybe you don't want it to be exactly like you, but open that dialogue. What's important? I think there's a responsibility that that
0: comes with that in educating and making sure the person is up to the task of the responsibility of dealing with that level of wealth. Uh, so that they, they don't squander it and that you understand you know what are, what is this person's values but where is their mindset do they have clear goals you know just make sure they're they're educated enough that they can have the responsibility you don't want that situation where you're know, like a, a lottery winner who all of a sudden now has wealth but but hasn't built up the habits and and mentality that would have allowed them to build that wealth and allowed them to manage that wealth they can they can squander it they can have you know a bad outcome
2: yeah no for sure and i think that 100 uh, percent. and i think it's to, to be super clear on what i'm um what i'm saying let's just go back to picking on Sanger. Now let's, let's that. pretend that you it. went to, but you you, you want to give him a million dollars i'm not i'm not saying that you would give him a million dollars at 20 25 29 or i'm not saying that at all 39 year old Sanger is gonna be way different than 29 year old singer right so what are the things that are the really big stress points right it's it's getting married, it's going through, and it, maybe it's the house. So maybe of this, just to use a, a million dollar number, maybe it's you know ten percent of that or or eight percent of that's going to help out with a big step, getting them into the right school district or a right neighborhood, and kind of taking that, easing that burden off of getting that first house. And maybe it's matching funds or kind of going through there. Then what's the next piece? Maybe it is he's entrepreneurial and wants to go through and and do a venture, and he's earned some money and saved it. Maybe it's taking some of that million of that pool that you're going to give them, and. Giving them a chunk there to kind of go through. It's it's making those steps a little bit easier to use your term, greasing the skids a little bit to to kind of go through. But you're here for that piece, right? As opposed to where where it really does matter, because when he's 59, like if 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 you had an inheritance right now, Sean, is it going to change your life? There's no, no chance he's getting not, one of right? those. No, I'm not. <laughs>
1: All right. I might, <laughs> if you play your cards right. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing Why do you is, think I hang, I hang out with you all the time? You know, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is I don't have to set all that stuff up for you. You've you've been way more. You've already got your right. house and ranch and the house and, and the cars. And the, I didn't and have the, to help you with any of it. You know, you. you I got. All that a,
1: stuff. I mean, but here is the thing: you didn't necessarily help me financially, but I have a leg up on all my friends because. I didn't have to worry about, uh, I didn't have to learn, have a hard road in learning the habits, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have to learn like, I mean, the career that I have, when I was in college, I decided, okay, well, I think I'll be a financial advisor. You know, I haven't found anything that's obviously better than this. And I had started working for my dad when I was 14. So at this point, you know, I've already four, five, six, seven years of industry experience, I mean, I'm basically teaching the class. I had horrible grades in college in financial planning classes, straight A's. And I'm a,
0: I'm a, you you, know, you never cracked the book, 2, I'm you know, sure. Yeah. And
1: I never even looked at the textbook. I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's better than money. That's the biggest gift sure. that I can
0: get. Yeah, the ability to earn money is the is, ability to yeah.
1: earn money. And I feel like I am reminded all the time. Oh, that's, you know. I can pat myself on the back and say like, oh yeah, I bought my own house. I bought my own ranch. I bought, I built my own business. Mm -hmm. I did this. But at the same time, like it's not all me. I learned because I got the gift of knowledge. I got the gift of wisdom. Yeah. Um, It's invaluable. Yeah. Why would anyone hire? I mean, people started hiring me to manage their money when I was what, 24? Yeah. Why would anyone do that unless I was really, really good at what I'm doing? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah you knew a thing
2: or two <laughs> like, yeah.
1: why would anyone do that yeah, right. well that's i got you know I, it's not because i'm so smart and hard working i did work hard but it's because i got the gift of wisdom i, and I that think, was
0: you know one of the things um i, I was noticing that i was out at dinner the other night and i thought about you because it in in your sisters because there there was a, a kid there and i was asking him you know how was your you know you had a presentation how was it and you know i'm trying to have this adult conversation with this uh, eighth grader and this guy just shrank into his seat like he was well, just sure. just cocooning like he couldn't answer questions he couldn't explain uh you know he had done a report i said oh you know about this famous person oh, th- well, what was it about well, just their life i said well you know i i, <laughs> I, I assumed it was about their life but uh um, what well, well, was it about their life what it about was, their life it was noteworthy yeah. and why should i care about this person i need you know and, and the point was, he, this guy couldn't have an adult conversation. And I think one of the big secrets to success, and nobody talks about it no, enough, is the ability to communicate your thoughts persuasively, the ability to have a meaningful conversation where you're exchanging thoughts, which is kind of what we're doing here. And I think you do a really <laughs> good job of it, and your sister do do as well. But yeah, without Apparently, that, you He lost. put
1: in so many ridiculous rules, like
0: we we help you now. No, I'm We're very thankful. It was like
1: you know we would have to go talk to an adult and ask them questions. We would have to. We didn't when it was up to him and and my mom. There was no like kids table. He was like, no, you're sitting here and you're gonna behave like we behave as adults. We're out to dinner. You're gonna sit in the chair. You're gonna talk. And um, yeah, of course, like you hate it when you're seven. Then you wake up right. one day, you realize oh, I can. I, have, I remember every time, time we were in my a own, class, yeah.
0: every time we were in the car, it was a, it was a class on something.
1: Oh yeah. yeah we couldn't drive home and like just stare out the window and play I spy. He would do like U S history trivia. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, geography lessons. Like,
0: okay. yeah, yeah like, you you had to answer to
1: things. And, you had to know things. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. If you had to narrow it down to one takeaway, Jeremy, what's your best decision making advice for family business owners? <laughs>
2: So, the idea behind this book, Without a Plan, is trying to show, not by theory and like 70 points, but of the last 20 years of my life being moderately successful, that it's okay. And I would argue sometimes better to go without a plan. And, you know, the subtitle is a memoir. It, it's, it is a business book, but it's a memoir. And I talk about a lot of personal stuff and struggles in my life and what have you of unbound action and failing my way to success. So, it's really this approach that failure we're raised a lot of us are raised that it's a bad thing and I would argue it's the best thing, right? That's where the learning the real magic happens. So the the major takeaway that I just talked to whether I'm speaking on stage or, you know, coaching or mentoring, whatever, is to just get started, right? Just get started. Cause, you know, and I don't care if that's buy the business, expand the portfolio, buy the house ask the girl to marry you, whatever it is, like just get started um, because we're not promised tomorrow. And I think people struggle with getting started because they don't have it all figured out. Show me someone that modeled in, you know, 2019 for a global pandemic. Fucking no one did. Right. So it's okay not to have it all figured out and just kind of go forward and and having that adaptive. That's, that's really it. Where
1: can people connect with you and uh, get a copy of your book?
2: Yeah, so I'm uh, JeremyDelk.com, uh, Jeremy S. Delk on all socials, uh, books on Amazon, Audible, Forbes ranked it uh, one of the top three business books this year, which is pretty cool. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, we, we had a lot of fun with it. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeremy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: My takeaway from talking with Jeremy is looking at the immediacy of the things that you want to accomplish and rather than waiting till later if there are things you can do now taking action on those as long as they're aligned with your bigger vision doing those things now i think there's there's some value in that rather than waiting i've had experiences where clients have waited to do things later in retirement and then there's a sickness or a health issue and they just weren't able to fulfill their their vision it's kind of sad
1: my biggest takeaway is that teaching your kids values Teaching your kids skills, instilling wisdom in your children is a lot more valuable than than money. I came to that conclusion in the middle of our conversation with Jeremy, listening to and imagining wealth transfer. And I thought, man, I've, I've received so much more from you just from the things that I've learned. Yeah, I appreciate that. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith and this is Decidedly.
0: Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly Podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.